Two guys. Two topics. Two, two, two. two opinions. You talk. Give me two. This is the split story of the day on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. It is. And The Zone Sports Network. Here's Rudy. Left-hand drive to the rack. Just takes the defender under the tin and packs it on him. 42-27. Rudy Gobert putting on an offensive display here in San Francisco. Ingles high pick and roll. Bounces to Rudy. Rotates it out to O'Neal. Ball fakes a three. Finds Bogdanovich. Right corner. One dribble. Settles himself and fires and hits. Man alive are they good. 27-point lead. Raymond lobs to Collie Stein. Donovan goes up with him, tips it. Donovan rebounds. Baseball outlet to Rudy, who then dunks it the other way. And Donovan pretends he's a pitcher. I, I just think, regardless of you know whatever competition we've, this team's worked. You know they've worked hard. Um, met some some weaknesses that um, gradually are becoming strengths. Um, there's obviously there's always more to do. But I think our focus has been, you know, been on us and playing the right way and, and defending and you know, trying to be consistent with all those things. All right, the Jazz winners last night uh, easily, one twenty-nine to ninety-six. And Austin, I, I believe they met your standard you set on the show yesterday. As they better win by at least what it what it was your final number twenty. Uh, no, the lowest acceptable uh, differential for me yesterday was eighteen, and uh, they they did that and and then some. Uh, they they did that easily, and it it was a game they they dominated from start to finish. I mean, it it would have been worse had the Jazz not played. Really, everybody in the fourth quarter. Uh, Ed Davis was out there getting work. Uh, good to see Emmanuel Mudiay who went out and and played well because minutes have been at a premium for him. But uh, it, it was. Uh, I'll take you kind of through a storyline of my night yesterday, Austin, which this will stand out in the game. Um, or, or in this game that really doesn't have a whole lot of memorable moments. But so doing the pregame show with Coach, you know, we're talking about the, the major storylines going into this, and we're, we're, we're talking about how good are the Jazz really and, and you know, beating some of these teams uh, the way that the Jazz have and, and not how to sl- have had a slip up, you know, how, you know, impactful is that and that sort of thing. And Coach's take on the whole thing, Coach Chase's take was, you know, a lot of these teams, they play hard and they have good players. And, yes, the record not may not reflect it, but they'll, they'll give you a test. I mean, you know, Damian Lillard had to score 61 to beat this Golden State team in overtime, and that was without Draymond Green, right? And and so you think that this Golden State team, they may not be very good with 10 wins, but they're going to they're going to play hard because they have guys who are trying to earn NBA uh, play uh, paychecks, and you know guys like Alec Burks are trying to go play for their next contract, and so that was kind of a theme of the pregame show, and and I, I've seen it with some other teams like like Washington when they played the Wizards on the road, that team played really hard. Believe it or not, Chicago when they beat Chicago on the road a couple of weeks ago, the Bulls played really hard. I mean I, I think you look at, uh, obviously the Pelicans stand out there. They're a team that, that these teams play hard. They, their records may not be great, but you've got to be on to go out and beat them. And so I, I'm buying into this, going into this Golden State uh, game, Austin. And then let me let me see if I can find here's the exact moment with 10 minutes and 24 seconds to go in the first quarter, Willie Colley-Stein picked up his second foul. And at that moment, Golden State decided, you know what? I want no part of Rudy Gobert or any sort of physical basketball. And that was it. I mean, the Jazz in that game, maybe more than standing out in any other game, got to, got whatever 
they wanted. The resistance to from Golden State was uh, zero. And actually watching the game with Coach Chiesa was interesting because, uh, you know, you can see the, the coach in him, right? He was almost disappointed in what he was seeing out of Golden State because he, you know, certainly thought the Jazz would win, but he thought that the Warriors would, would play hard and, and would give it a go. And the, the, the it was just the Warriors decided that they were not going to um, – uh, they were not going to make the Jazz. They were not going to make it hard for the Jazz. They, it was not going to happen. I mean, one play that really stands out, Austin, and I know you know the play where Rudy from the perimeter dribble drove on Willie Cauley Stein, who couldn't back up fast enough, only to get dunked on. I mean, how many times in Rudy's career have we seen have we seen that, Austin? Uh, I mean, what six? None. Oh, <laughs> maybe never. <laughs> Uh, Willie Cauley-Stein looked like a uh, cornerback in the Pro Bowl, but there, it was someone who they just picked out of the stands and said, here, go in on this play. It was it, it was amazing. And D'Angelo Russell, that guy loves to shoot. That guy is allergic to defense. I mean, it, it goes to show it was, it was actually the perfect game to culminate this run for the Utah Jazz because, as we know, things uh, get a little bit more difficult uh, starting with Saturday uh, against the Dallas Mavericks. But uh, this is another thing Coach said while we're, we're just sitting there watching the game. He said, this is a this is a dress rehearsal. And that's exactly what that game felt like last night. You know, Austin, you've got a play coming up. The, the dress rehearsal is is get a get a run through how it's supposed to go. You know, where you can get to your spots and the offense works and uh, nobody uh, wants to uh, defend or go into Rudy in any way, shape or form. And and you can kind of see how it's supposed to work. And lo and behold, the Jazz scored 129 points last night. And if they would have kept the foot on the gas in the fourth quarter, could have scored, I don't know, 140? Easily. You know what I mean? I mean, that that did. It felt like a dress rehearsal. Uh, What came to my mind, dress rehearsal is a good uh, term for it. What came to my mind was... FCS versus a, a Power Five team. That's that's what came to my mind. This was this was the University of Utah against Idaho State last night, and that's blowing my mind because. And I'm not saying they're not professionals. They're not in the. I'm saying the talent level, the trajectory of the different clubs. You mentioned the Golden State Warriors resistance being little to none, and my my reaction is, well, that's that's a shame. But at the same time, I'm kind of like, well, what else? Why? Why would they try? Like, what? Why, when they get down like that, why, why give it a go? They're not trying for anything this season. They're not trying for anything but themselves for their next contract. So, right. I guess in that realm, they should try a little harder. But they're not in a. They're in a marathon as far as rebuilding the organization, rebuilding the program, rebuilding the club. Of course, Steph Curry will come back, Clay Thompson will come back, and that'll be uh, expedited. But right now, they are just in spin wheels and, and get through the season mode. The Jazz are gearing up for the sprint to the finish. So it's kind of like a, a charity 5K versus an Olympic trial. The Warriors are just out there to, to play around and collect their checks and have some fun. The Jazz are out there to try and win it all. And that was the difference. Where uh, where have you fallen in on Steve Kerr as, as quality of, of coach? Have you been on the great coach, perfect fit kind of team or – uh, as as a friend of mine once said, a potted plant could, could coach that team. Where where are you at on the, the, the Steve Kerr pendulum? I'm not potted plant. As far as coaching, X's and O's and things like that, uh, I've never really thought, well, this is, this is one of the brilliant minds of our time. As far as coaxing ego, I don't think that can be denied, can it? Okay, well, I ask you, 
just because for those folks that have been on the potted plant could coach this team kind of train, which I traditionally lean to. I mean, Mark Jackson didn't do it, so I, uh, I guess not anybody could do it because uh, he did not, and Steve Kerr took them to the next level. But, I mean, come on. How hard is it to, to put that group together that we've seen over the past few years and, and go out and win some basketball mm-hmm. games? I well, mean, Luke, Luke, Luke Walton. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, Luke Walton could do it. Mike but, Brown but, got fired by the Cavaliers, what, 11 times? And then Steve <laughs> Kerr came calling. He's like, I'll do that. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll no. keep track of timeouts for you. Easy, no problem. Uh, but to those folks who who are in more of the potted plant camp, uh, camp, the the offense that the Golden State Warriors were running last night was was nothing. They were that was not an offense. That was not a. I mean, uh, that was not a coordinated attack. Let me put it that way. I mean, even in Quinn Snyder's first year, where they weren't you know terrific from a record standpoint, the Jazz still ran stuff, right? I mean, just because you're not a terrific team, I mean, I don't know it. That was on top of being under-talented. I mean, that didn't look like a particularly well-coached team. And may, you know what? Maybe we saw Golden State on, on an off night for them, which feels or an off really, season. really strange uh, to say. But, you know, if if they don't get a top-five draft pick, they lose it. So you might as well uh, basically uh, throw in the towel. That's what the NBA certainly has become uh, because the last thing you want to do is, is finish in the middle. But really – it was the perfect tune-up opponent. Now the Jazz go into a really meaty part of their schedule, and they're going to have to come away with some wins. And that starts, you know, Saturday, uh, early game, Saturday afternoon. Love it. 3 o'clock tip, 2 o'clock pregame right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, and there's going to be some, some real unique challenges. And to folks out there saying, you know, hold the phone. Uh, this has been a weak part of the schedule. Well, that changes really quickly. But the way the, the offense has been running for the Utah Jazz, there's not a whole lot of, of, of teams that are, are going to uh, overmatch them or overwhelm them. And maybe they lose a couple along the way. But, uh, you know, the, the, the way they're playing right now, they're going to be really tough to stop. And Locke has been throwing out uh, basically a, a great stat that if, if the Jazz are above average, and we're not even talking about that great, above average from an offensive rating standpoint, you know, 107, somewhere in that, uh, in that range, they don't lose because Rudy Gobert is so good on the defensive side that you just need a mediocre offense and, and you're going to win a lot of ball games. I mean, we saw how many ball games they won when, when they had a below average offense. I mean, Rudy is certainly that impactful. And now, not only do they have an average offense, they have a way above average offense. Since the middle of December, they're number one in the league basically across the board in every offensive category. So, I mean, if they were ever equipped to tackle this part of the schedule, and Dennis Lindsay talked about that uh, a little bit when he joined us earlier in the week, uh, they're 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 ready to go. Mike Conley is getting back into the swing of things. I mean, everything looks to be falling together perfectly for the Utah Jazz. I just uh, threw this out there about Steve Kerr, and uh, both responses I got were pretty good, so I thought I'd get to those real quick. Is, is he good coach, or Potted Plant could have won with that team? Or, or somewhere in between, of course, which is uh, always where the answer lies. But our good friend Aaron on Twitter said, Steve Kerr is somewhat along for the ride. Fantastic athletes and getting it done uh, uh, at Golden State. And then Cody weighs in. And I, I love this response. Cody says, Jerry Sloan would have this year's Warriors be a 44-win team. Kerr sucks. Uh, you know what's funny about that is it, it brings back a, a memory of really my first year, not quite, but a little, 
probably just into my second year in this business when I was when I was really young and uh, in my career with the the zone it was the year that of course John and Carl were gone and uh, some bozo in Seattle some NBA writer in Seattle predicted uh, predicted the Jazz to win something like 14 games and uh, that was the year, of course, uh, Jerry really should have won his coach of the year because they went out there and were a 500 team where really they had no business being one uh, with uh, Andre Karolinko and Matt Harpring. And uh, I, I think Keon, uh, what was it? Keon Clark uh, was on that day. A- anyway, uh, really, a, a, you know, an unspectacular, certainly from a star standpoint, basketball team. And, uh, you know, well, coach, good coaching can go a long way. Um, but, I, you know, the thing with Steve Kerr is Mark Jackson, he, he definitely took that team to the next level. Uh, so there's got to be something he's doing right. But they, they did not look well coached last night. And, and I, I, I'm glad Cody brought up that, that example with, with Coach Sloan because, you know, there's still some things you can do. Although, you know, I will say this, the culture was different in the NBA. I mean, teams, even though it was probably for their benefit even back then, teams weren't going out there and basically trying to lose basketball games, and that's where Golden State really is. You know, long and short of it, they're trying to lose basketball games. So maybe it was uh, was a little bit different back then, but that's certainly the way it is now. And, and you can see why. Uh, they can try and, and flatten the auto, uh, lottery odds as much as they want, but the, the truth is it still benefits you to lose games and to not finish in the middle of the pack, and maybe that's maybe that's uh, a bummer where basketball is gone. But uh, I don't know. Interesting though, because Steve Curry certainly didn't look like he was enjoying his experience much. Uh, Draymond Green didn't look like they were enjoying their experience much either. And thus, you know, everybody who hasn't been a bandwagon Warriors fan over the past ten years is uh, relishing what's going on there in Golden State. But you know, truth is, Steph and Clay will come back healthy. They'll add a you know top five draft pick or actually more likely flip a top five draft pick to get yourself another veteran asset and then they'll be right back to competing in the west next year it won't be unfair golden state level where they had kevin durant and you know nobody else is going to beat that team but they will be back in the mix certainly for if not the favorites uh for the western uh western conference title and that's why you know that uh, we had dennis Lindsay on the show earlier in the week and that's why he and and justin zanuck are are, sh- are so sharp this is, now is the time uh, to strike for so many different reasons uh, for the Utah Jazz. And, and there's a couple-year window. Not that the window can't be longer, but right now we're seeing it. There's a couple-year window where Rudy and Donovan truly aren't being compensated to the max of their potential. Certainly not Donovan Mitchell, where you can afford to pay a guy like Mike Conley $30 million. The, the Warriors are temporarily set aside. The Clippers and the Lakers are newly formed teams uh, who may be figuring some things out. I mean, uh, the time is here, and I think that's part of the reason why Jazz fans are are so excited or more excited than they've been for a while is I I think fans out there can sense it. You know, it's not unlike Austin, and and tell me if this is a bad comparison, but it's not unlike why I think Ute fans are a little disappointed with how the football season ended this year. Because if you look at how things lined up, this was the year for Utah to to grab that Pac-12 title. They had a senior-laden team. They had a quarterback they had been seasoning for two years. 
two years seasoning Tyler Huntley to be the guy to uh, to go out there and lead them. They had maybe the best running back in their history. Uh, their defense is full of NFL draft picks, of course. And then you look at the rest of the conference where USC uh, is is still figuring out how to be USC again, which is just ludicrous. But still. You know, the, not where, uh, not the, certainly the powerhouse of the division they possibly could be. Uh, the the rest of the league was was basically winnable games outside of Oregon, so it's going to set up so you have a really good uh, record. And so it it just it it felt like circumstances were coming together for youth football, and and that's probably part of the reason why uh, youth football fans. Uh, really jumped on board with that team. I mean, obnoxiously jumped on board with that team. And I I get it. Things were coming together. It made a lot of sense. And it's really disappointing that it didn't finish out uh, uh, kind of the the same way the entire season felt because all those things were certainly going their way. And now you feel that way in the Western Conference uh, with the the Utah Jazz, that, you know, the circumstances around the rest of the league are such that this team – the way it's put together can compete with any team in the NBA. And it, it was designed this, I guess my, my entire point of this is it was, it was designed this way from a timing standpoint. There's a reason why they, they felt like they could no longer wait on Dante Exum, that they had to use the assets that they had, use the cap space that they had because the timing was right. And Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, had to progress on schedule, if not exceed schedule, and it's it's really set up for for ultimate success. And I think that's why going into this stretch of games starting on Saturday with the Dallas Mavericks is going to be so fascinating because it's all come together. And uh, Quinn Snyder has this team really understanding and grasping what he's all about uh, as a head coach in his system. And and maybe uh, now that we've seen this for the past couple of years, maybe this is exactly what we should have expected. You know, Quinn's a complicated guy who runs a complicated system, and it takes a minute for everybody to get on the same page. But when it works, they've got the, 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 the best offensive system in the league which it has been for the past almost, well, over a month, not quite a month and a half. It has been the best offense in the league when it has the talent and it's executed correctly uh, by, the, by the right players in the right spaces. I mean, it's, it's, amazing. Uh, it's amazing how well uh, it works. And we saw that last night against the Warriors, not to revisit this, but it, it was the perfect opponent because it was a dress rehearsal. They were to get, able to get everything that they wanted. And why I'm excited to see all these pieces work together as one is really I don't know how you defend them. I don't. And if they can keep the defensive bite with, with Rudy, I mean – you know that's the that's the recipe for success. If Mike Conley's Mike Conley, then you really what, how do you guard the Jazz? It won't be like the the uh, Darren Booz years where where the Houston Rockets just elected not to guard Andre Karolinko for a whole series. I mean, who are you going to do that against? Austin, we did this exercise the other day. You know, uh, the, this is the just the example I came up with. But when uh, when the Jazz played Brooklyn, the Nets had to hide Kyrie Irving somewhere. And so what they do, they put him on Royce O'Neal, all right? And and Royce doesn't take a ton of shots, so that probably makes some sense. You know, he'll make some open threes, but, you know, you're not going to probably hide him anywhere else in that lineup. So if Mike Conley's in there for Royce O'Neal, where are you hiding Kyrie Irving? Where are you going to hide James Harden? 
You know, where are you going to hide Damian Lillard? Where are these teams going to hide their their defensive vulnerabilities? Because it's, you know, there's not a good option. If you were the coach, Austin, what did we decide? Uh, If you were the Rockets and were hiding James Harden and it it was the Joe Ingles, Mike Conley starting lineup, where where would you hide James Harden? Uh, We we didn't we come down to either uh, Conley or Ingles. Yeah, yeah, and, 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 Eagles. and it's like fine. You pick one. I'm okay with either as the Jazz. You go ahead, put them on either one of them. It's fine. And the way Quinn Snyder's offense works is that multiple people initiate the offense or are capable of doing that. And if either Mike Conley or Joe Ingles can initiate the offense, and they're going against the other team's most vulnerable defender, uh, it's you. You're going to be really, really good. You're going to be really good. Yeah. Let let me flip it on you, Jake. Do you think that the Jazz have a defensive situation uh, against other teams where they are trying to hide some of their players? Because I feel like the Jazz have always been a defensive uh, powerhouse. They've taken some steps back from where they have been, but the offense has exploded in a way that that's kind of been swept uh, swept away a bit. I don't. While we're talking about the Jazz, have such offensive powers that where does the other team's worst defender get hidden? I flip it around. I don't see a problem for the Jazz in that way at all against whoever they play, unless it's well, a Kawhi or a LeBron, right. and then you work around those things. But that's the same for every team. Well, the answer to your question is is that Rudy covers up for everybody uh, because he's he's amazing and the way he's um, been able to uh, defend the pick and roll for a guy his size is 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 truly remarkable and that's why people who don't watch Rudy on a regular basis don't don't truly appreciate how good he is. But I'll, I'll tell you this: they're gonna, Austin. They're going to have to hide Mike Conley a little bit, I think. Um, but see, that's the thing. I mean, Mike's capable. He's not. He's not Jimmer Fredette. I mean, people wonder why Jimmer Fredette didn't stick in the NBA. Is because Kyle, you, he's impossible to hide on defense, or he was. I mean, that's a big part of the reason. He's impossible to to hide on defense. Mike Conley is not that. He's not. He's not somebody who you absolutely is. He's not Ennis Cantor in the pick and roll, where if he he's playing, you're going to lose because they're going to get a basket on every possession. But they'll probably have to hide him a little bit because he can't switch everything. Uh, which the Jazz like to do when they can is switch everything. You know, you don't want Mike Conley switching on to Kawhi Leonard, for example. I mean, or a more obvious example would be you don't want Mike Conley switching on to the Greek Freak. So it's not perfect. You know, that's the thing with Royce O'Neal being in the starting lineup. You can switch pretty much everything. Um, Joe Ingles maybe isn't the best defender in the NBA, but he's more than serviceable, and certainly at a size 6'8", 6'9", where he can, he can switch on to pretty much everybody. I mean, it's a luxury uh, that uh, the the Jazz have with this particular lineup that they wouldn't necessarily have with the the Mike Conley lineup, but uh, it, the the I guess Austin, if the if the Jazz do have a, a little bit of a weakness defensively at times, you hope that the the offense being so much better in, in both units, really the starting and the bench that it'll be able to overcome that. If it stretches when Rudy is resting or whatever, and you've got to trade blows with the other team, I, I think that they're capable of, of doing that. So, you know, I know Gordon thought that they'd be top five in offense and defense this year. They can afford to be top five in offense and top ten in defense and still absolutely be a contending team. I mean, if you're – honestly, if you're top five defense and top five offense – you are the Warriors from a couple of years. Maybe not quite, but, I mean, you're really, really good. More of the big show coming up next right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.